when you listen to the show, if we are wrong or we don't know what we're talking about, that is perfectly fine. And you can correct us anywhere you want on Twitter, on Instagram, or on Facebook. You can find us at Not A Historian Podcast or at Not Historians. That's fine because we just jump on the internet, go to the library, talk to people, watch some interviews, and do the basic research we can just to show that two average Joes can do it. Exactly. We're not historians. So first of all, let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Well, maybe he walked around with jelly beans. That's what it is. Maybe he walked around with jelly I think beans so. I think he, and he was at the crime scene and stuff and be like, nah, see, nah, I got these jelly beans, see, nah. We're just two dudes that came up with an idea and we said we should know more about the everyday world around us, like why are beer bottles the shape they are. In 1930, the Republican-controlled House of Representatives, in an effort to alleviate the effects of the, anyone, anyone, the Great Depression. Get ready to take notes, boys and girls. It's another edition of the Not Historians Podcast, with your hosts, Desmond Dunn and Shalom Agulavin. There you go. It's Prince. All right. It's wonderful. I mean, it is wonderful. It's Prince. How can you be upset with Prince? I mean, you can't be. Never. I, I mean, you shouldn't be. Yeah, I mean, so, it's almost so, un-American to be upset at So Prince. I think Prince is a good segue because we're talking about something that Prince is not. Of all the things Prince is, <laughs> Prince is a lot of things. Yeah, well. But there's yeah, one yeah. thing Prince is not. Including dead? Is it too soon? No, because Prince is immortal. Got it. There's one thing that Prince is not. Birth control. I would agree with Prince that. is the opposite of birth control. Yeah. So, in order to talk about this topic, we reached out to a group of ladies, two ladies. Wonderful. They're called the Geeking Amazons. Check them out. We have Bella and Nina. Go ahead and, Mina, Bella, introduce yourselves. Tell them who you are. Hi, everyone. I'm Mina. And I'm Bella. We're the Geeking Amazons. Yes. And uh, we're a femme-centric pop culture podcast Mm -hmm. where we basically, we try to educate as well as entertain, which is... Also, what we're doing tonight. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, one or the other. Yeah. Uh, we we or take maybe both. We take one out of two as a win. Absolutely. So. <laughs> hmm. Um. So, just birth control in general. Just to kick off the topic here, it comes in a few categories. I don't know if people always know that. I don't think I think about it in that way in my head. Uh, maybe you don't. Yeah. No, because I mean, there's hormones, there's implants, there's behavior, there's sterilization, uh, medical intervention, and uh, infanticide. So you know, there's some like options. infanticide, like is in the in the Metallica song, Harvester of Sorrow. Yeah. Infanticide. You mean spermicide? No, I mean infanticide. Because we're a history show, and for a long time, infanticide uh, was a form of birth control. Wow. Uh, which uh, we don't think of it that way, but apparently, babies <laughs> no. were not. Uh, Late term abortions had a different meaning back then, you know. Really, uh, really late term. Really. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess not for them because I mean, they most children messer. back in the day didn't make it out of you know childhood anyway. Yeah. So True. they didn't really view it as like a big deal, but right. it was a method that was sometimes implemented. Uh, now, there's we could talk about abstinence because abstinence is one hundred percent. Effective. Uh, yeah. But it 100% sucks. It. Yeah, exactly. It if you practice it, because it sucks. Because it sucks. That's it, also, it also doesn't necessarily... I mean, it works, but if that's all you preach, then it doesn't. Because if you get in front of a room 
of hormonal teenagers mm-hmm. and say, don't have sex, yeah. they're going to go, ha, no. Yeah, they're not going to listen. <laughs> I mean, uh, states with states with abstinence-only sex education have the highest teen pregnancy rates because teenagers are going to have sex and they need to know how to do it safely. So, you know, I, I think the last time we checked, we, we were both from – the zip code with the highest teen pregnancy rate in oh, the country. That's true. So, yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations. Uh, you yeah. know, uh, it, it's also probably, I think, one of the top five conservative uh, ones in there. So we do have the abstinence only. I'm not saying that that's, you know, necessarily causation, but it, yeah. they do have correlation. Oh, there's definitely direct correlation there. I agree. Yeah, there's, there's correlation. I don't want to put that on. Yeah. I mean, not to mention that um, of the 50 U.S. states, only 38 have laws that mandate sex education that say you have to teach sex education. And of those 38, I believe it's 30 are abstinence based. Yeah, that's crazy. So it's it's, a really high number. It's a super high number. And I, I don't know which states they are. I mean, I'm sure it's public information, but... I guarantee you they're probably mostly, you know, South Bible Belt. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that can lead to some not so great consequences. Because not only do you have teen pregnancy, you have rates of STIs. Yeah. Which are growing at a rapid rate. So, I mean, because birth control doesn't just prevent pregnancy. It prevents from sexually transmitted infections. Mm-hmm. In some and- forms, yeah. Yeah, some forms. I mean, uh, it depends on the type of STI you're talking and the type of birth control, and I'm sure we'll get into it later. But yeah, so while abstinence works, it's um, it's the least fun version. Let's just go with that. I think. Yeah, but but it's also a personal choice. I mean, when I oh uh, yeah yeah. John Oliver did a segment on sex education on last week tonight, and. He said something along the lines of, um, being abstinent is like being a vegetarian. It's okay to be one. It's okay to not be one. But if someone makes fun of you for it, then they're the a-hole. Yeah. Yeah, no. No, I agree. I I definitely agree. I mean, like, here's my thing. Uh, Whatever we say tonight, please don't take any of it as medical advice. (laughs) Do not base your sexual decisions on anything that we say ever. Not a doctor. Yeah, mm-hmm. not a historian, not a doctor. That is definitely <laughs> true. Also, not a lawyer, so please not don't sue us. Nope. None uh, of it. I, I am certified by Planned Parenthood to talk about basic comprehensive sex education. I talk about it at great length on Geek and Amazons. So uh, I am somewhat qualified to speak on some of these topics. Well, let me let me but, ask you this. Yeah. What do you know about uh, ancient methods? Ancient methods, oh my goodness, there are so Cause, many. Because uh, we know that the Egyptians, like 3,800 years ago, already had a plethora of ideas. Yeah. Uh, the, old, the oldest condom that we actually have, I guess, is what you want to put it, mm-hmm. is from 1640 in England. You kept it in, like, you have it? You still have it? Well, I don't you have, have it. your wallet, <laughs> just in case. The expiration date is still good. I'm just going to um, you don't so use it. There are cave paintings, though, from 15 or... 12,000 years ago, they'd show a guy getting down with a C on his D. So, you know, 
Condoms are a thing that have been with us for a while. Uh, Absolutely. And in the 1400s in China and Japan, they would use lamb intestines soaked in milk as primitive condoms. Condoms. Now, um, so why milk? Why soaked in milk? Lube, my man. Probably lube, yeah. Um, And also in some parts of Japan, they used, uh, uh, as a condom, they would use like a hollowed out animal horn. So, yeah. uh, I don't know how that works, but... uh, uh, you know, they would use goat bladders. Yeah, I know goat bladders were used because there's reference to uh, King Midas from the Iliad, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Makes reference to it, I think, and that's you know ancient Greece. But birth control, I think, as we know it in the modern sense, most people think of the pill, right? Yeah, um, it, the we mostly think of birth control as something hormonal as right. well. But barrier methods, which are your condoms, um, your female condoms, your cervical caps, uh, those are all known as barrier methods. Those are uh, can be more economical as well. Um, you know, right? Because they're reusable in some cases. Yes, like a diaphragm. Do not. Yeah, di- a diaphragm is another word for a cervical cap. So you're not too far off. Um, don't reuse condoms. Please. No. <laughs> no. But uh, turn, wash it out, turn it inside out, put it on again. Skin? Oh, man. Can you reuse lambskin? There are some condoms you can reuse. Female condoms, uh, to an extent, depending okay. on. Because female condoms can be used vaginally as well as anally. Okay. I wouldn't recommend reusing one that you have used anally. Mm hmm. Uh, I'm sure, I'm sure of. Uh, the female condom, I believe you can reuse. Okay. Do not quote me on that. Yeah, no. Uh, not a doctor yet again. Not you a know. doctor. Read the box. When yes, you read the box. But female con- female condoms are super hard to find. Right, so. and I think I've, I've read something somewhere that they can be reused as well. Now, one of the sources for this show is actually the Cal- the Calhoun or Calhoun gynecological papyrus. So if you want to know more about ancient Egyptian methods, that's... Uh, that's one of the ones you can check out. I think there's actually uh, a link in the show notes for that. But the ancient world was full of birth control, right? Yeah. Um, well, if prostitution is the world's oldest profession, yep. they <laughs> they had yeah, to maybe. have some sort of, yeah, maybe. Um, uh, they had to have some sort of, you know, barrier, I guess. Right. And I know that uh, a popular one was honey and lint. They would use honey and lint. Honey and lint. To yeah. gum up the lady works. Yep. Uh, in the land of the pharaohs back in the day, acacia leaves and gum, acacia gum, those are popular, but there actually are spermicidal properties to acacia, so yeah, it makes yeah. sense. It's, I mean, it's acidic. Um, uh, acacia tree bark, it co- makes lactic acid. Right, and the lactic acid is what actually uh, stops it. Now, there's also less charming ways, like crocodile dung that's used to make a pessary, which is a uh, vegetal suppository. That is disgusting. Yeah. But it yeah. forms a hard barrier. There's acid in it. The bacteria it does stop and slow the mobility of sperm. Well, um, modern modern day scientists have actually found that um, because there's alkaline properties to crocodile dung, and some scientists, uh, some modern scientists, think that the alkaline properties actually made the vagina more sus- uh, uh, in- inviting to sperm. So it was actually it may have increased. Pregnancy because they thought that maybe the alkaline properties would repel sperm, but womp womp. It's a also, red carpet. Or a brown <laughs> car- I guess it's a brown carpet, but either way. Oh, 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 oh. Uh, oh. 
I now reading this, you're going to read and hear about a lot of things that are mixtures of like honey and leaves or honey and lint or these kind of things. Now, I don't want everyone to think that uh, ancients were just turning the holiest of holies into mixing bowls. There was actual <laughs> methods like they would mix these with lint or gauze or other mediums and form these pessaries that they would insert, these suppositories that they would go in. So I wonder how long you'd have to like have to prepare for this because for me, well, they would be ready so like you, spontaneous. You would have you know? medical professionals or priests or somebody that are midwives. They would sell these kind of things. I would assume. Again, I don't know the research, but if they're yeah, using they're, these, there's a market for it. Yeah, yeah. Like they had. I mean, like there were there were you know in ancient Greece there were people practicing gynecology. Um, midwives were heavily relied upon. And also just like it worked for my mother, it worked for her mother, mm-hmm. so now I'm going to try it. Right. Um mm. uh birth control back in the day was basically just trial and error. It was basically exactly. does it yeah. does it work? Can I put it in my vagina? Let's find out. You know, let's yeah. wait. Let's if wait on it. You put it in there and you don't get a baby, it's a win. Mm-hmm. It worked. Pretty much. Yeah. Um but yeah, uh it was a lot of uh, belief that anything with an acidic property would repel sperm. So, for example, uh, you know, dating back to the Old Testament, sometimes women would insert um, half a le- – well, they would insert a sponge soaked in lemon juice. Lemon juice. Lemon juice yeah. is fairly popular because it does kind of work. Honey's really popular because it works too. Apparently, Casanova also used this method with his, yeah, the, uh, the, his lady the, the lemon, not the honey. He would recommend. Lemon, yeah. He would leave them a lemon. He's like, because I got you. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Take this lemon to remember me by. <laughs> also, maybe put some of it downstairs. Like what, happened to, what happened to flowers? I mean, yeah, Lee. Oh, uh, maybe lemon, lemons have flowers. Oh, man. It's funny you mentioned flowers because their herbs were also a... Uh, a, a popular method of birth control. Uh, there was an uh, a plant called the penny royal that was from the mint family, and Greeks and Romans believed that if you make a tea from penny royal, it would uh, induce menstruation, and if you were pregnant early trimester, uh, it could also induce abortions. Um, and penny royal has been found in herbals dating back to the first century. And yeah, however, um, unfortunately, in large doses, pennyroyal is actually toxic and can well, cause organ failure. If they yeah. think it's menstruation, that means it's making bleed. Exactly, and it's not menstruation. Well, it it can. There are herbs that can induce menstruation. Really? Yes. Interesting. Yeah. See, I already learned something. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, you talked about trial and error, but a lot of this is also that. It's, oh, this is toxic, but if I take just enough of it, I I might almost die, but in the same thing. But I I won't get get pregnant. pregnant. Yeah. And you got to weigh those two options. I mean, it's the same with using mercury. Yeah. uh, We'll get to that because Quicksilver plays a role. Uh, One of the things I want to touch on before we leave the actual ancient world is, uh, I'm I'm not sure how to pronounce this. The Greeks use it. It's S-I-L-P-H-I-U-M. Sophia? Yeah, I, I, was, I would I'm, say silphium, yeah. I have I'm going to say yeah. And it actually was an incredibly valuable commodity because it only grew in one place in Libya and it worked. Oh. We, we don't know, but it worked because they used yeah. it and the Greeks actually just like fucked it into extinction. They, yeah, they farmed it. They farmed it into extinction 
and <laughs> they and they couldn't cultivate it. They couldn't make it grow anywhere else. It was so popular that uh, the area where it grew, uh, it used to, you said it was Libya. It used to be called Cyrene. Right. It's present and, day uh, Libya, I think. Yeah, or present Liberia. Libya. No, now Libya. Libya, Liberia? No, it's Nor- Libya. Northern Sorry. Africa. Northern it's, Africa. <laughs> well, Liberia is not Northern Africa. That's why I was like, never mind. My research, I found in my research, it said um, uh, an area of Northern Africa. Yeah, yeah. No, it grows right there where you're Cyrene, like you were talking about. That was what yeah, it was called when they. Cy- uh, Cyrenians actually put sulfium on their currency. That's how important this crop was to them. And they used it for everything. And not only did the. Um, Greeks and Romans use it, but also the Egyptians and the Minoans, mm. and they all use it. It's actually it's actually um, a relative of fennel. Yeah. And, Whoa. Yeah. Okay. And it was used for everything from stomach aches to perfume to birth control. Which and is kind of how willow is used in North America. I mean, well, white willow bark is used for a ton of those same properties for stomach oh, yeah. aches, headaches, uh, birth control, yeah. those sort of things. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I was just throwing that in because we we're going to talk about a lot of pharmacognosy kind of stuff that's yeah. herbal and, or botany based. And and the funny thing is, is that nobody really knows how sulfium worked. Like it right. was, women used it for six centuries oh, wow. to prevent birth control. And nobody knows why, because it it was, like you said, it was fucked into extinction. And, <laughs> and um, uh, we're I found- hold in your pocket, literally. <laughs> There was a study done in 1985 that used a possible relative of sulfium to test, and it was found to pre- that when administered orally in rats, it prevented pregnancies, but however, it did not work in hamsters. Huh. So, do with that information <laughs> with what you will, but it doesn't really matter because it's gone now. It mm. is probably the most effective ancient birth control, oh. and we will never know why. Yeah, and uh, I mean, Aristotle himself talked about ways you could block the goal. You know what I mean? He was a great goalie. He mentioned <laughs> the use of oils, ointments, liniments, these sort of things. And most of those work, but the reason why things like that, like the reason why honey works is pretty much, you know, you can't if, imagine if you were swimming in honey. Um, I often, <laughs> I often imagine myself. I know you often honey. do, but I, I mean, my I know point being, that's a little known fact about me. I do. You, <laughs> as hard as it would be for you to do this, imagine it's also as hard for your little men to swim in it which, too. Which is so interesting to me that back as early as like the first century and beyond, they figured out that that is basic biology. Yeah, something is swimming to something. Exactly. Yeah, I don't know if they knew it was swimming as yeah. much as... The, I mean, because at one point they referred to it as uh, spiders and scorpions, I think, oh, in the God. reference to the goat bladder. He's like, so my little scorpions and snakes don't get their way in. It's like, uh... I would not have sex if I read that. I know. I think, That's horrible. I, I feel like I still would. <laughs> well, yeah, but you're the one controlling the scorpions like, and the snakes. Yeah, do you want these, do you want these spiders? Scorpions. I know, I don't like They call me the Scorpion King. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? No, man. What the fuck is wrong with you? So, so okay. I'm just going to go out here and say this because I think this is hilarious. At one point in time, I decided I wanted to name my, my myself downstairs. You know, like many men do. I I said... Many so men want to name their many men? I'm going to get there. Okay. So, I, I decided, you know what? I'm going to call mine Black Death. What? <laughs> That's exactly. I don't. I don't like even. <laughs> so 
So I could so I could say this. I, I always want to say this. Are you ready for this black death? You know, just like that. Oh. I, I wanted to say it. And you know, and you know, it got me nowhere. And I I, I used yeah. to I wonder why. Yeah. Oh, that's hmm. so shocking. Oh, yeah, God. I know. I know. Freudian stuff right there. <laughs> really so much I would get into, but uh <laughs> I can't. I can't get into it right now. Um, let's move on to a more pleasant topic like sterilization. Uh, sometimes done by chemical means and sometimes by surgical means. Uh, the Persians, you know, had ways of doing it. Everyone has ways of doing birth control. Yeah, I'm seeing that. Uh, the Persians would block the cervix with anything from elephant dung to cabbages. So why cabbage? Uh, I guessing probably it probably fits. acidic. It's probably it all. I'm pretty sure it just all comes down to natural acid. But how would they know that back in that day? I mean, because I, it worked. I mean, because it, it worked. Well, because for example, one of the one of uh, a more primitive birth control measure was um, douching with vinegar because they knew they knew that vinegar nothing grows in vinegar. Vinegar kills. Vinegar kills things. Okay. So. Uh. So they thought, you know, oh, if it kills like mold in my wash tub, perhaps it will kill the sperm in my vagina. Yeah. However, once sperm is in the vagina, you can't get it out. Mm. So that is why uh, any sort of uh, douching as birth control is bunk. And also, if you if you are listening out there and you have a vagina, do not douche. Yeah, don't douche. It's bad for the pH balance of your vagina. Stop it. That is a patriarchal myth yeah. that your vagina needs to smell a certain way, yeah. just don't do it. Okay, so um, I'm stepping down off my and if you're And if you're out there and you don't have a vagina, don't be a douche because uh, yes. you won't get the vagina. So oh, that's that good advice. Uh, that, I'm not a doctor, but I've heard. So uh, it's funny that you mentioned that they would use vinegar and things because one of the ones I read about was ancient, or I guess this would be middle age, Indians from India would use rock salt because rock salt yes. is a spermicide. So yes, they would use that. And they would also use a clarified butter, which they called ghee, G H E E. Well, and they would use, they would uh, take cotton and they would dip it in ghee and use that as a, uh, as a diaphragm. Wow. I wish someone had told Marlon Brando, that's how you're supposed to use butter because <laughs> I saw a film and that was not what he did with it. So that's, uh, it's interesting. But it doesn't uh, work. <laughs> oh man! Um, now you know the Chinese we mentioned earlier uh, were big fans of mercury. We mentioned mercury or quicksilver, as it would be known then. They used it for tons of things. There's myths of whole rivers of it in hidden tombs. They mm -hmm. would eat spoonfuls of it for you know immortality's sake. Well, that's what happens. I mean, but, that's uh, the long-term result, obviously. <laughs> but it turns out when it comes to contraceptives, it was no exception either. Uh, they drank it, thankfully, for the most part. Unthankfully, however, it does cause kidney and brain damage and death if you ingest it. It will make you sterile, though, so they did get yeah. that part right. Mercury, uh, mercury at one point was used as just like a general cure-all. Yeah. Like they, thought, they thought mercury would cure syphilis. <laughs> It will keep you it keep you healthy to, for the rest of your life. Huh. Yeah. It might be five minutes, but <laughs> the claim stands. Yeah, uh, mercury was like one of those old timey like cure alls. Like, it, hey, yeah, exactly. You got a fever, put some mercury on it. You lost a toe, put some mercury on it. <laughs> there you <laughs> go. So, it, so it, birth control was like no exception because they 
at the time they thought, ah, it'll cure everything. Not true, though. Yeah. Well, I mean, the Japanese were pretty simplistic, I think, in their approach. They didn't use mercury. They were very cool um, to just use bamboo tissue. Yeah. Like, they were like, I'll just soak it up like it's a spilt milk. Yeah, because, I mean, that, that uh, it is, right? Soak it up like a frog uh, towel. Yeah. Quicker, no crying <laughs> over spilled milk. That would be the ad for uh, bamboo tissue stoppers. Uh, oh, man. It's pretty good. I would buy it on that. <laughs> well, in that case, we can talk about the rains down in Africa. Because they were stopped up with plugs of cotton and grass. Uh, which is similar to what was used in the Islamic world, which was wool yeah. most of the time. Mm-hmm. And the Hebrews actually had it. The Jews used a very interesting invention, which you can actually still get. And it was just a sea sponge wrapped in silk with a string on it. Yeah, I mean, cervical sponges have existed for a very long time. And in some ways, they they lasted up until I want to say about maybe the 50s. Um, so cervical sponges definitely were one of those birth controls where they worked with a question mark yeah well they were very popular along with the suppositories like those were the two major methods besides things like withdrawal and interruption and you know there are other methods but those were two that seemed to be shared across the board when i was Mm. researching this i mean withdrawal still to this day people try to use as effective birth control and not the best so no, hold on. I just have to stop you right there. You said withdrawal. Do you mean the pull-out method? The, yeah. Yes. She, oh, okay. she, mean, she means yes. Well, you used withdrawal. I was I was mirroring your word, but yes. The, the Irish word. gambit, okay? Oh, okay? It works. Uh, I say it works. Um, you can guess by the name that I'm probably part Irish. Uh, I mean, I could go into the biology as to why the pull-out method my, is, is, not the, is, is pretty risky. Well, you know, I have 11 aunts and uncles, so I'll just say that it's probably, (laughs) it's probably not what you want to do. That's, I'll leave it there. Uh. I mean, I I could explain the biology if you wanted. I I think we'll move through the history. Maybe we'll get to that point because Shalom might have a question on that. We have a discussion period coming up. All right, Uh, cool. Uh, that might be a question. Put that in your back pocket. Keep it for later. You can ask that because you have somebody here that can answer it. Because I really just want to get the journey from crocodile boo-boo to transdermal patch kind of out of the way. All right. right. Now, every culture, right, along the whole recorded history path has dealt with it in one way or another. They've all used some method. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Now, classically, we didn't have the pharmacological methods that we did now. We We used them, but we didn't understand them. Now we can actually pick things that are effective. Now... I would like to think that we've moved on to methods that are less honey and pitch in your lady cave. (laughs) (laughs) And more a trained professional prescribing and advising. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But that road we think of as just jumping, right? But it's not just a a clear jump. We're going to talk a little bit about about legislation, uh, maybe of this. And the cultural aspect is important, too. Because uh, now... I don't want to think anyone to think we're attacking this, but in the Middle Ages, one of the biggest hurdles why we didn't advance was the Catholic Church literally demonizing birth control. Uh, yeah, and it yeah. still kind of does to an extent. Well, but I mean, in in 1484, uh, Pope Innocent VIII gave what's known as the Witch's Bull, and it was it 
It pretty much made anyone who was conducting abortions or teaching or making or promoting birth control considered a witch. Okay? And this is during the time of the Inquisitions. So I had me my pointy hat and... Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I'll take it. How dare you how dare you deny us, you know, extra bodies. That's that was kind of yeah, that's kind of the answer. And it really is because at the time also remember black death was affecting people. Yeah, I was around. <laughs> you that we were winning. <laughs> oh lord. That's right. Black death <laughs> made an appearance. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody is afraid of Black Death. <laughs> oh, okay, we gotta cut that from. The no, show. I'm just leaving, leaving all of it right now. Uh, you know, so that made it pretty hard for women and men both to decide any of their reproductive rights because reproductive rights pretty much didn't exist because of that bull. And oh, thank uh, God we no longer have to deal with that. Yeah. Yes, it's all gone. Big laugh. Hiding real pain. But the actual <laughs> movement, the actual movement to get that on the right track, the one we're still fighting, the one you're still talking about, it, it came about in the 19th century from what I understand. Now, if you ladies know something different, jump in, go for it. Because uh, I'm going to talk about Malthusians, because Thomas Malthus, he comes out in uh, 1789 with an essay on the principle of population. And he said to the Brits of his day, because he's British. Hey, guys, it seems like populations will grow as long as the resources allow it and continue until there aren't enough resources. So maybe if we want to enjoy some of the resources, not just consume them, we should be responsible and avoid, you know, things like famine and epidemic and war and all that shit and use the resources responsibility. Maybe we shouldn't just have babies all the time. Oh, wow. That was not as bad as I thought it was going to be. So, so, but you say that, but think of the times in which this man is talking. Yeah, I was going to say, what was this again? It's in the late 1700s. I mean, it's like 1790. How is he still not, like, taking that advice? I mean, no, that's not true. We've slowed down on reproducing, but Mm -hmm. we still did it, like, way too rapidly for a long time. Yeah, as we're speaking in 2017... We've actually hit a record low yeah. with birth rates. And that could be due to a lot of other factors, like wide, more widely accessible birth control. Uh, people are having uh, children later in mm-hmm. life. We're more educated. But it's still, like, just now? Like, we knew it back then. We knew it back then, and now and just still... Yeah, it... Didn't do anything. Hmm. Mm, well, they did. They, it did change the mindset. I think that's what it was. Because the discussion wasn't really being had openly. You know, behind closed doors, of course, everyone talks about sex and everyone talks about birth control because there's somebody that's like, hey, you know, the thing that we do to make babies, I'd like to do that more often without the babies. Like the first caveman talked to the other second caveman and that's what he said. Yeah. (laughs) Just like that. too. Just like that. Probably exactly those words verbatim. I'm pretty sure. (laughs) I mean, I'm descended from the first caveman, so... (laughs) What an awkward statement. Well, we all are, but I was using it to my effect. So thank you, Shalom, for having to make me explain that. (laughs) Um, So it changes society. I mean, it has a big impact on social scientists. Because now the idea is in people's brains, hey, maybe we could use resources. And then the next guy came along and said, maybe we could also not put dead bodies in our drinking water. And people said, we'll get around to it. (laughs) And so both these things were kind of back burner. But birth control, reproductive rights, these sort of things come about 
big because, as most things do, feminism got a rise. And uh, women in the... Hold on a second. Yeah. What? Most things come about when people get a boost, a large group. Yeah. Women got a boost. They enacted feminism in the in the in the night the late nineteenth century, uh-huh. and they said, "What if we don't want to just have to use birth control or whatever mixture or put mercury in myself? You know, uh, maybe we just don't get down unless we want to have kids. Maybe I don't have to do what a man yeah. wants all the time, and maybe it's not my responsibility to make sure that after you know you come in and slap shot all over the goal that I catch all the pucks. Okay, I'm using a hockey metaphor here. Okay, wow." Like the thing is, maybe, maybe if you took a little bit of responsibility, I wouldn't be stuck with it. And the guys were like, "Well, I feel like if you, but took, I'm if a you man. Me, if you let me go to dinner and stuff on occasion, and you actually spent some money on me and gave me a hug every once in a while, it wouldn't feel like oh, well, no, it's sorry. not even that. It's more of like, why is it like you're just like, well, I'm done. Make sure you don't have a baby. Like that's how it was done. Yeah. And you know, they were like, well, I'm not gonna just lay back and think of country, you know. <laughs> they, they had a thing called voluntary motherhood which was the act of going yeah i'm just not gonna sleep with you unless you want kids so do you want kids then no wow. sex um so surprisingly right dudes were like hey we should deal with this now now we should hear these arguments mm. the women don't want to sleep with us anymore unless we're making babies and i don't want babies um also, abstinence was, you know, brought up, but that got shot down very, very quickly. Yeah. And I think in this time frame, wasn't there wasn't there a discussion of where the church got involved? And well, the church kind of helped change the mindset. They did. I mean, the church, the state, feminist, early feminist, right. Malthusians kind of bring us into the modern age. Right. Like where the where the mindset in the church was to say, okay, it is it is a responsibility to repopulate the earth. So Right, because they had had all these horrible plagues and stuff hitting right. uh and so the idea then was it is your duty to do so. Well, the focus was more on family planning. They still wanted you to do it, but they wanted it to be planned. And they did have education based around the idea of having babies. Hmm. And they did make contraceptives available without calling you a witch. But that's about as far as they went, you know? Um, Are we still talking about England or have we moved Yeah, we're, we're, we're ending up on England because we're about to hit the Comstock Law. So we can kind of skip... Yeah. Because there was the publishing of things like The Fruits of Philosophy uh, by Nolington. There's contains a number of birth control methods and had open contraceptives and sex education in England by the turn of the 20th century. Mm-hmm. But in America, if you ladies oh. want to handle the Comstock laws that made it illegal to even look at condoms or diaphragms or sex ed or anything that didn't produce a baby, you are yeah. more than welcome to jump in here. Yeah, the Comstock laws were, uh, huh. all right. So basically the Comstock laws, uh, they were, um, federal laws passed by Congress in 1873. And it was the act for the suppression of trade in and circulation of obscene literature and articles of immoral use. And it criminalized, um, sending Things through the U.S. mail, such as erotica, contraception, um, abortifish, ab- abort. I can't mean to help. I can't pronounce this name. I don't. What is it? Ab- abortifish. Whoa. Yeah. Abortifacients. Abortifacients. Shit think- for abortions. <laughs> yeah. Um. Th- uh, okay. Uh, erotica, contraception, um, things that cause abortion, sex toys. 
personal letters that have any sexual content or information. And, uh, yeah, so it made, it basically made it illegal to send these things through the mail. Oh, yeah, this was the act that was put forward by the, um, the, the post inspector? Yeah, that's- Who is this asshole? It's Anthony Comstock. Who decided to overstep his boundaries. Yeah, he was like, hey, I don't want to carry this stuff in my mail. So he basically, you know- You know, the other day I was delivering a package to a woman- (laughs) And I thought it was just an egg beater, right? For his hysteria. <laughs> and I, 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 I helped her install it. And I'll tell you what, man. That damn, that damn thing made a racket. I still got tinnitus <laughs> in my left ear. I can't do this no more. I carried a giant black dong. The other day said black death on it. Came out. <laughs> damn thing was made out of a rhino horn. It, it stabbed me in the arm. I still got a Band-Aid on. I ain't doing this shit no more. I mean, yeah, that's like, exactly like, how the, the the debate went in the Senate. That's how I'm going to picture that now. <laughs> oh, I mean, man. I suppose like all people who try who enact laws like this, he claims that he was only trying to be a good citizen. Think of the children, and I think he was. Yeah, exactly. be, so um, to be fair, I think he was. It's the 1800s. You know, yeah, it's 1800s. I, that we're talking sex about. still wasn't good then. I mean, I mean, no. No, sex is not good then. We're talking what are you like, talking about? This is when syphilis was like rampant and, you know. But basically Comstock uh, had a friend of his who died and Comstock blamed his death on, quote, being led astray and corrupted and diseased. So basically that means a friend of his caught a venereal disease <laughs> and he was like, well, F this shit. I will avenge you. I will avenge your death. And then basically just like ruined the mail <laughs> for everybody. Imagine um, if the internet didn't have porn. Like, I can't understand how the mail survived. It's like, so you can't get these catalogs anymore. They have bras in them. Brazilians for women's breasts is their bosoms. That's immoral. Oh my God. And these laws, these laws stayed on the books. Um, like until the 60s. The, oh, they definitely. The, the death rattle of the Comstock laws happened with Griswold v. Connecticut. Look, but, if you've ever heard our episode on Grandfather Did, these laws from the 1800s that are bullshit managed to stick around for so damn long. For, for no so reason. long. Because, yeah, because people, like, just didn't, they didn't pay attention. Like, it wasn't, like, it was a back burner thing. Gotcha. They were like, eh, whatever. Um, but, uh, but the Comstock laws, you know, they also banned uh, distribution of sex sex ed information, right? Because they believe that it led to promiscuous behavior, which is what a lot of people use as an argument for abstinence only sex education. Yeah. Like if we teach them about sex, they're gonna want to have sex. Well, who doesn't? Sex is great. Yeah, you know. <laughs> right. um, uh, if if you have it, I'm not saying that you should, but if if you feel so inclined, it can so be. Let's put it that way. It, it can, can be. Yeah. Exactly. Um. So, yeah, so this, so uh, it banned the the distribution of sex and information, and this is also where kind of like one of the quote-unquote heroes of the story steps in. Um, Mina and I don't like to give this person very much credit because they were extremely problematic, but that is uh, Margaret Sanger, who was the founder of Planned Parenthood. Well, here's here's Um, the credit I will give her and the discredit I will give her. Uh, Hold on, guys. I'm getting a little bit of feedback. Sorry. Okay. I can hear my voice in your voice. I'm letting it tone down. Um, Margaret Singer, the problem with it is, here's the thing. She helped coin terms like birth control and get the public discussion because of court cases going. But at the same time, 
little bit of a racist. Uh, oh, little bit. You know, <laughs> little bit. Little bit. Hey, in context, she was old timey. Anybody that wasn't Hitler, you know, wasn't preaching eugenics openly is kind of, okay, not so racist. Nowadays, you know, they'd be later the KKK, but that's a product of her age. But I agree. We, we, I, she's, a, she's a one sentence in my notes. In that, exactly. Uh, she, exactly. She, she got on trial for handing out contraceptives and helped coin the term birth control. Um, the origins of feminism were based on let's get white women rights and then we'll see if everyone else gets rights. Yeah, exactly. And that's what this is a product of. Yeah, exactly. So she, Margaret Sanger was basically like the poster child for white feminism. Yeah. Um, but like I said, we we don't like to talk about Mar- Margaret Sanger too much. Right. Because, um, like, you know, because... <laughs> and when we do, we don't want to whitewash. Them. Right. Exactly. You know, and I think the only... the it's, In this subject, the important topic is this. Uh, just like we saw in court cases that they had in England, in America, a court case did one thing. It had the reverse effect of what they were hoping to do. They wanted to shut down this woman. And what it did was just make people more interested in birth control overall. Yeah, yeah I mean, Mar- I mean, she was also uh, one of the first people to import diaphragms. In 1932, she got, like, a shipment of diaphragms from Japan, and, um... Because the Japanese was getting bad. I mean, <laughs> the Japanese were ahead of their time in many, in many aspects. The blurred porn is a modern thing. <laughs> well... I- and, um, yeah, so so she arranged for a shipment of diaphragms from Japan in 1932. The customs agents confiscated the package because it violated the Comstock la- laws. And Sanger was like, if you guys, and filed a lawsuit. And, and uh, the lawsuit became United States v. One Package of Japanese Pessaries. <laughs> Wait, that's what it's called. That's what the case, that was the court case called. Awesome. <laughs> they actually took, they, they actually took the diaphragms to court. You know, like, yes, you have anything exactly. to say for yourself? And they're like, we need a translator. We need a translator. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, they, they only spoke Japanese, so. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is the... Um, yeah, so in so 1936, the federal appeals court ruled in that case that the federal government could not interfere with um, doctors providing contraception because Margaret Sanger was actually getting the shipment to dis- of diaphragms to distribute to doctors. Um. So that was one of the that was one of the the that was the beginning of the end for the Comstock laws, and uh, some of the laws, like I said, stayed on the books until uh, 1965 until Griswold v. Connecticut. That is uh, it's crazy to think though that like in our mother's day and age for us here that they were like no 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 just uh, go away <laughs> like it's like can we get some birth control some what 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 did, birth yes. Control. And no, I don't then, understand. <laughs> and even then, you couldn't get birth control unless you were married. Like if you were if you were single and trying to get birth control, yeah. good freaking luck. And if you were married, you needed permission. If you were married, you needed permission from your husband. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, one day I'll probably this would be a good history story. I'm going to sidetrack us here a little bit. I'll tell the story because my my parents are an interracial couple. Yeah. From the 70s, and they were the first one in their small Texas town to do this. So there's many interesting stories that go along with the, what it takes to, you know, get permission and to do things in these kind of settings and what kind of rights people actually have compared to what they think they have and what you take for granted. Hmm. Uh, but it is interesting to think that. 
I did find out one quick fact I want to throw in here because it's funny to me. Uh, we've we've talked about douching and how it's ineffective and how it sucks and all this. But uh, birth control was actually sold kind of like during Prohibition. You know, cough syrup was sold with a lot of alcohol in it because it was really alcohol. Right. So they would sell yeah. birth control as feminine hygiene products. Yeah. Right? So you could go find birth control, but you had to speak the code language. Right. And yeah. Well, yeah, that's why they thought – that's why the contraceptive pill is known as the pill. Yeah. Because it was like a discreet way of, you know – going up to the pharmacist and being like, I need the pill. Yeah. Right. But, you know, we've all heard the story probably of Lysol and how Lysol was originally kind of sold as a douche. But the yeah. story yeah. is a little bit more complex because, yes, it was, but it was sold as a douche. Actually, it was a spermicide agent. It was sold that way because they had to to subvert the laws. So, yes, when you see the ads, they do exist. They are real. That's how it was sold. But it was sold that way. Because they had to, to circumvent the law. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think they said that the product, the ad stated that the product would protect your married happiness. Yeah. And that was kind of code for, hey, if you use this. Yeah, it's it's code word for burn baby juice out of your wing dangle. (laughs) (laughs) I'm learning so many euphemisms right now. This is wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) And, And as you mentioned, I mean, starting in the 20s and 30s, there's a general boom. As we'll say, I mean, it's not the biggest boom, but it's a boom in women's rights and reproductive rights. And they're all part and parcel of kind of the same thing. And that's really how we get to the issues of where we're at today. And and we get to the methods that we have today. Most of them come about after this because uh, Planned Parenthood starts, the pill starts. And uh, that's where we jump into you ladies a little bit more, I think. Because obviously, if somebody is going to be talking about modern birth control, it's probably not the two dudes. No. <laughs> because unfortunately, we haven't got all the way to male birth control being super great to use. Uh, no. Well, I actually have um, a list I found of um, options men have and options women have. Well, so, let's, let's go through that. Yeah. So the options listed for men are um, condoms, abstinence, vasectomy, withdrawal, and outer course. That's it for men, those five. And then for women, you have... Female condoms, tubal ligation, IUDs, the pill, the NuvaRing, the patch, diaphragm, cervical cap, plan B, spermicidal jelly slash foams, the sponge, depo, provera, outer course, and abstinence. Wow. That is a lot of things. Yeah, for us. Uh, Now, the pill is pretty popular, right? But the pill, uh, there's something I want to talk about here because we're our history show. The pill has a sordid past. Oh, yes, yes, it does. Absolutely. Um, so, and it's actually funny. I think I was in Puerto Rico when I discovered this. I texted you, Belinda. Um, yeah. And I found a great article from Remescla about um, birth control testing in Puerto Rico. So, it doctors. Is, yeah. It's dark. It's real dark. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to bring the room down, you guys. This is sort of my thing. This is my yeah. go-to move. Mina, Mina's like, <laughs> in, on, on Amazon's, Mina, like, gets real. And yeah. I, I, she's like the, the okay, let's talk about the dark stuff. And I'm, and I'm like, puppies and kittens and rainbows. <laughs> but then we talk about popcorn. It's fun. okay. Yeah. I think I could say wing dangle two or three more times and be good. So. Thank you. <laughs> That'll balance me out. So, um, doctors John Rock and Gregory Pincus, um, tested the pill in Boston in about 1954 to 1955. Then they needed to test it on a larger scale. 
So they went to Puerto Rico in 1955, um, and at the time, Puerto Rico did not have anti-birth control laws, um, and because obviously the population was stationary, it's an island, um, it was the ideal testing grounds for the pill. Um, so according to PBS, um, Pincus, the doctor, stated that he hoped that by showing Puerto Rican women could successfully use oral contraceptives, he could quiet critics' concerns that oral contraceptives would be too complicated for women in developing nations and inner American inner cities to use. Gross. Yes. Yeah, let that sink in. Um, I was not joking. I'm bringing the room down. So yeah, it's okay. Um, yeah, but this is it. But this is important stuff. Yeah, this is no, important. Absolutely. Yeah, this is what we why we have you guys here talk about things. Yeah, that we are I, I, yeah. So uh, trials. Well, no. Uh, the reason, another reason why this was um, sort of so sordid and why Puerto Rico was such a was so uh, receptive to this was because um, Puerto Rico actually had the highest rates of sterilization in the world. So in 1953 to 54, 16% of women were sterilized. And there's nothing wrong with sterilization. Um, I'm a big fan of it, actually. But uh, it's a problem when it's, A, a last resort, or your, like, only choice, and B, not by choice. Um, And that's a whole other story. Oh, yeah. It's a whole dark story. But Puerto Rico was, and still is, (laughs) in a rough place back then. So... Yeah, you have all that going on, and then the trials begin in 1956 in Rio Piedras, um, and so many women signed up that the testing was expanded. Um, and so I think I read somewhere that by the end of testing, about 1,500 women had been subject to the testing. So that says a so, lot. I've got to ask a question, Mike. We just pause it for a moment and yeah. let that kind of gravitate with us. But you mentioned that 1,500 women had signed up. For this, for this trial, by the end of it, by, by the, the end, end, by nineteen four. So, what was the driving factor in them in them signing up for this? So, the driving factor was that um, there wasn't a lot of access to birth control. So these and and they targeted poor, uneducated women. So these were women who had five, six, up to ten kids. Yeah. These were women um, who are dependent on their husbands. These were women who were victims of um, domestic violence and who had no choice. Mm -hmm. So they were so desperate to have something that they were told was a permanent, effective, well, relatively permanent, effective way to not have kids. And they just jumped on the opportunity. Didn't they also not tell them about the side effects? Oh, I'm going to get to that. Okay. I'm getting there. Let me get my popcorn. I didn't know Tuskegee was in Puerto Rico. That's all I'm thinking. Oh yeah. no! It has been compared to Tuskegee because what that's a reference! The next part. Yeah, I was just gonna say. Mm-hmm. At the time, the pill contained three times as many hormones as the modern version. Um, so side effects were uh, very strong, and when women would speak to their doctors about the side effects, they were dismissed as it being psychosomatic. Um, three women died during testing. And no one, no autopsy was completed to make sh- to determine the cause. Um, Their deaths were just kind of like written <clears> off. <throat> exactly. And while experiments were conducted in other parts of the United States, those were stopped because of the side effects. The testing continued in Puerto Rico. Um, 
So you still have these women. These women are still alive and they still point out that they were basically duped into being guinea pigs for this pill that was pumping them full of hormones um, that were a you had massive side effects and B could possibly cause your death. So the irony of all of this is that once the FDA approves the pill in 1960, it's sold as a symbol of independence to white women in the States. Hmm. Wait a minute. So it wasn't available in Puerto Rico is what you're saying? No, it was. After all that, it was. Okay. I just want, I just want, I was just asking because like, nobody, that would nobody be the crowning the- jewel of dickery. No. Like, we did no, all this I, testing. I, Thanks, guys. Bye. No, it was still available. But um, for white women, it was independence. For Puerto Rican women, it was just another effect of colonialism. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I, I mean, I get it. You're like, if somebody hits you with a spatula a thousand times, you're not like, check out the new spatula, guys. Like, it's yeah, not exactly. something that you associate yeah. with, like, awesomeness and a good tool. Like, I, I, was, I was wondering where that... That analogy was coming from, but I well, I'm it. just saying, like, if you're trying to sell somebody something, you should probably shouldn't sell it to the people you tested on as a great idea. Like, it's like, hey, I know we killed a few of you, and some of you can't have babies, and others of you have like third nipples, but check it out, we have it now, and, it for sale. It's like, and I, I, I highly doubt too that the women in the states who were taking this pill even knew that this horrible thing was going on in Puerto Rico. Um, I think, I don't think everyone knew. I think some people knew. And they did call it out for being um, colonialism. But at that point, I mean, damage, the damage had done. been done. Yeah, damage done. Right, yeah. right, right. So anyway, I just think it's important that when you're going to get the pill, just remember that all of this was possible because these women were... They basically sacrificed their bodies for this. I was, Mina and I were talking earlier and she said that, you know, what about the, you know, we were talking about how she was going to talk about things happen in Puerto Rico. And I said, the, the best thing that you're doing right now is you're talking about this and you're telling people, look, this is something that happened. And until Mina actually told me about this, when she found out about it, I had no idea. Yeah. So I'm, I'm actually glad that I know about it now because. Now you know I'm not blindly taking taking advantage of what these women did. Yeah, I mean, women died. Yeah, so that you and me and anybody mm-hmm. with a uterus can take a pill, and yeah. it 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 happened, and it's horrible. And the best thing we can do is acknowledge that it happened. Yeah, yeah. dang, that's that's a heavy. That's that's real heavy. I know. Uh, I was going to talk about more modern methods, but I mean, I think. Uh, People are familiar with modern condoms. I mean, yeah, there are condoms and quite a few other things like diaphragms and stuff. Do people diaphragms? Yep. I mean, there's um, there are two types of birth control. There's hormonal and there's non-hormonal. And uh, non-hormonal is basically your barrier methods, like I explained earlier. Diaphragms, um, diaphragms or cervical caps, um, which are not effective unless spermicide is used in conjunction. Uh, there's also condoms, the female condom. Uh, you know, I'm going to just say this. All of this sounds like way too much work. <laughs> it, it is. It is. And, um. It is a lot of work. It is. And, uh, it takes spontaneity out of, out of everything, you know? And, um, I mean, I mean. Um, I actually have, uh, a study that was done, um, 
Uh, it was cited on a Broadly article. Um, and the study was conducted. I'm sorry. Let me get my notes. Okay. So it was conducted by Dr. Katrina Kimport, who is a professor of obstetrics. Blah, sorry, who is a professor of obstetrics, gynecology, and reproductive sciences at the University of California. Um, she recorded contraceptive counseling sessions with clinicians with the permission of their patients. She analyzed 52 conversations with women who reported not wanting kids. Um, and basically the gist of the study was that, um, yeah, birth control is a financial burden. Mm-hmm. It is a mental and emotional burden. Oh, yeah. And it's stressful because if you think about it, all right, yeah, it costs money. And then it can be a daily pill, so you need to remember. Mm-hmm. Or it can be a patch, so you have to replace it. Or you have to get a shot, and it hurts to get your shot, the shot done. And you have to remember to make the doctor's appointment. And I know I hate going to the doctor. Yeah. Um, and not only that, but with the Depo-Provera shot, you have to go something like every... For, I think you have to go monthly. That's awful. And that's the worst. I don't want to do that. I hate going to the doctor's office. Yeah, Unless it messes with your biology. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I It think- does. Um, and especially when you're talking, like I said, when you're talking hormonal birth control. Because condoms and, and uh, the diaphragm, there's no real biology, biological aspect. There's, like, there's no chemicals. Right. And that's a completely valid choice. If that's if that's what you and your partner prefer, go for it. Um, any contraception is better than none. If yeah. you're trying, maybe to not-, not crocodile dung, but yeah, I mean, right? Maybe yeah, um, maybe not. Yeah, and and when you get into hormonal birth control, you have side effects upon side effects upon side yeah. effects upon side effects. Um, Mina and I did on Geek and Amazons. We did our. Uh, an episode on birth control. It was more of a gloss over and we tried to cram as much information as we could into an episode. Yeah. But I explained that um, me personal on a personal note, I was on three different types of birth control in as many years because my body was just like, what are you doing to me? <laughs> and, and, uh, um, and it's about finding it, uh, it, it goes into that emotional burden of finding the right one for your body. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's often on, the, and it's like I said, it, like we said, it's often on the woman. Yeah, yeah. So. I, I think Shalom was going to mention that. If, do you guys have more? Because yeah. we wanted to jump into the discussion a bit, but if you have more to input, we'd love to, you know, chase this down the rabbit hole. Yeah, well, I could go into uh, the biology, the basic biology of like what makes hormonal birth control work. Yeah, I want to hear some of that. Okay, so basically, the key, in, the key ingredients, if you were in any hormonal birth control, uh, you have two chemicals uh you have progestin and you have estrogen and progestin is the artificial version of progesterone which is found naturally in the body and it's essentially one of the uh pregnancy hormones i'm gonna jump in real here because i forgot a method earlier i just want to mention it but i'll mention it and then you just continue on it's it's just like a one sentence so don't worry yeah after right where you were when you're talking about birth hormones, because I forgot about lactation, continued lactation. Lactation, uh, yeah, no, breastfeeding while you're breastfeeding is not an effective form of No, no, but in the in the olden days, people would use it to try to oh, for, the, for up to three years afterwards. So people well, still was telling me about the uh, the Duggar the Duggars, fam- the Duggar yeah. family. Obviously, yeah, that, it works so that, well for them. 
Yes. Well, no, that's that's how because like the Duggars, they the Duggars belong to a religion, uh, a sect of Christianity called the Quiverful Movement, which basically means that you should have as many children as you possibly can. And the way they do that is that they wean off, wean their babies off of breastfeeding um, as quickly as possible. So sometimes they only breastfeed their babies for like a month or so, so that they can conceive again as quickly as possible. But they still believe that it, breastfeeding has no bearing on your on conception but they still believe that so yeah it's fun it's, yeah that's wild <laughs> i'm i'm a myriad of but, but this, like but that. The, this yeah. was a this was a method that was practiced for a long time many cultures thought that if you kept breastfeeding that you would not be fertile is that why some egyptians and folks would uh breastfeed till the age of like nine probably Oh, God. I don't know. Yeah, there are still people who do that, too. You know? <laughs> there, there, I mean, if you've watched Game of Thrones, you know that these things happen. <laughs> you've seen that part of Game of Thrones, yes, right? Mina's, Mina's like three seasons behind. Oh. So <laughs> you got to get caught up. I know, I know. This season is amazing. Um, so so we, we were talking about hormonals and how they mess you up. Oh, yeah. And then I yeah, interrupted so, for lactation reasons. And then, uh, <laughs> rightfully so. And then, and then, uh, yes. Okay. So, uh, estrogen and progestin. Progestin is the artificial version of progesterone, which is found in the body naturally, which is essentially one of the, one of the main, um, pregnancy hormones. Um, so basically what hormonal birth control does, and this is, Essentially what the pill does, what the IUD does, what the birth control implant does, uh, birth control implant, also known as uh, commercially Nexplanon or Implanon. Uh, so they, they release these hormones into your body, and it essentially tricks the body into thinking that it's pregnant. And it prevents it prevents the uh, ovaries from release, releasing an egg, and it also thickens the mucus in the cervix so that it blocks sperm from entering the uh, the uterus. So because there's no egg and sperm can't get to the egg, even if there was one, that's how it prevents pregnancy. And um, it's it's uh, one of the most effective birth control methods commercially available right now. Uh, um, the IUD or the implant, it runs about 99.9% effective. No, I mean, if you want to hack your body, I guess that's cool. Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's not, that it's not bad. A hack, yeah. I mean, I have the IUD and it's the best thing I've ever done for myself. And uh, it's yeah. pretty awesome. It also, it also effectively um, stops uh, menstruation, too. So and, and that's kind of what I've heard, is right. you know, I mean, that's that's what I've heard. And we're kind of in the discussion point now because, you know, most people think of birth control as a female issue. Right. I mean, it's the lady's job mm -hmm. somehow to I mean, honestly, I don't get it. It's it's the lady's responsibility solely to to make sure that she is responsible for. Well, I mean, they're the ones that they're the ones that have to carry the baby if the accident goes. I think that's the general idea behind it. I'm not supporting it. I don't get it either. Yeah. But the fact well, of the I matter is... talk a little bit about evolution with respect to Yeah, because that, that's the thing. is like, okay, so let's say you spend a night with a young lady, Shalom, and there's a baby. You uh, can nope out the there, door. Right? There was a comma there. I'm not a young lady. You nope Shalom. out the door. <laughs> you nope out the door. 
And guess which one of you is stuck carrying the burden? Uh, okay, that's fair. So I think that's why it's viewed that way. I don't think that's the way it should be viewed, but this is not a show for my personal view sometimes. Well, well, when you're looking at evolution, and I'm doing this for, for schoolwork, it's never a justification. The whole point of it is, how did we get to where we are? Okay, it was this. This is our evolutionary history. But with the understanding that technology and society has advanced enough that it doesn't have to be this way anymore. Yeah. And, and I think you're so right. what you're saying is is right, absolutely. Female, um, female uh, biology invest- makes it such. No, and their investment in offspring is significantly larger. You have your period, you have your gamete size, so you have eggs opposed to um, to sperm. Um, you have gestation, and then you have lactation, and then if you raise your kid, you raise your kid. So you have this huge investment, um, whereas. Males have a significantly smaller investment. It's just sperm, and you have tons and tons of it. <laughs> um, and it's easy to come by. <laughs> and so, they are. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, and in our evolutionary history, um, female evolutionary success is measured by having really good offspring. So that's why we're selective. Whereas male evolutionary success is by having lots and lots of offspring with as many women as you possibly Absolutely. can. You know, more of an opportunity. So it, exactly. <laughs> so it actually benefits dudes to not think about birth control because all that does is reduce your evolutionary success. Whereas it's on, again, this is not a justification. This is just an explanation. It's on women to make sure that they have the best offspring. Which is why, in that respect, it is technically up to you to use birth control because you're the one that's being selective. Um, so I think that's the gist of how we got to where we are. Again, I can't say this enough. I'm not justifying it, and I don't agree <laughs> no, with no, it. No, uh, yeah. I think you're right because I mean that's <laughs> that's, that's right. what I meant by biologically speaking. Yeah. The reason yeah. why is it's like, well, if you're a passenger in my car. I have car insurance because I'm the one that has to carry you. Yeah. So the if if you, if you think about it that way, the woman has to carry the baby. The man can just jet. So if we get in an accident, you can open the door and jet on me. Right. I own the car. Fair point. But also to that same point, same analogy, or let, let's change the analogy slightly and say, doesn't it make more sense to take the bullets out of the gun? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, yeah, that, absolutely that's kind of been what we were talking about this prior. That's kind of been the way I've, I've kind of looked at this is, you know, I don't, I, I understand the reason because there's emotional investment from the woman's side with the, with the, uh, the, the, the child, you know, or the whole process. I mean, it's, you know, we, I don't know. We touched on this briefly. Abortion is also, um, uh, you know, a method of birth control, but I mean, there are a lot of, there are a lot of psychological side effects from any of these birth control methods. I think that that's, that's a good place to, to kind of, start finding solutions because the question I've always had is why is the birth control so much on the women? You've got the hormonal aspects of everything. Any, just about every one of the aspects that we've talked about today has a hormonal effect. Now there are some that we've mentioned that do not have that hormonal effect, but they're also not as effective. I mean, I think the idea of, right. I mean, go ahead. I mean, sorry. 
Um, I mean, a lot of people try to say, oh, you know, something that people who practice or who preach rather abstinence only sex education is to perpetuate the myth that, oh, condoms break all the time. So you might as well not even use them. Yeah, that's not true. But that's not true. I mean, condoms, yes, condoms are less effective mm-hmm. than a hormonal birth control, but it's better than nothing, mm-hmm. and condoms still prevent against certain STIs. I mean, yeah. they're not going to protect against skin-to-skin STIs, mm. but anything that's carried in fluid, yeah, you're gonna it, you're gonna still get that pr- protection. Um, so yeah, they're not they're not as a, as effective. But I would say it's it's a it's between ninety six percent effective and ninety nine percent effective. So. It's still better than nothing. Well, and I mean, I think that we're not, and I'm not ever a proponent of saying use no birth control. But what I'm, what I'm trying to get at here is, you know, you're all, when you use some of the hormonal birth control methods, you're altering the body. You're making changes to the body. There are side effects. There are a lot of side effects. Oh, yeah. I mean. Weight yeah. gain, uh, skin well, problems. On that note, I wanted to bring up um, the recent debacle with the male birth control. Oh, yeah. Um, trial. So the everyone's seen the gist. Men are wimps and they can't handle it and whatever. And this is I'm gonna say it's partially true. And I'll explain that in a moment. So um if there was a recent study done with male birth control and it was hormonal, it was uh hormone injections to suppress sperm production. It had a ninety-six percent success rate. The study was in phase two of three steps to get FDA approval. Of the 266 men who were in the study, four impregnated their female partners while receiving the bimonthly injections, which is actually comparable to the failure rate of the female hormonal pill. Um, There were the expected side effects of an increase in acne, pain at at injection site, and some muscle pain in 15% of participants but the study was halted because of behavioral changes which were not expected so more than one third of subjects noticed an increase um in libido and 20 percent experienced a mood disorder yeah um that sounds hard for the course they weren't expecting this i'm sorry if i sound angry but it's because i am anytime you inject someone with hormones yeah this is to be expected. So who are these scientists that are like, oh, we'll do this trial and not expect to see mood changes? So, and but, that's why the study was halted. But it happens with when women take birth control. Well, but I think that yes. there's, there's, some, there's some things there that, to kind of bring up. You know, one, men, the, the male body doesn't work like that. However, when you interject things like, so there are creams that are heavy, like estrogen-based creams. You know, and and when you they're you're topical, and you put more of them on, and I'm I'm trying to remember what one of the creams is. I know there's one for like diaper rash or something like that, um, yeah. but at any rate, when you use them, they tell you to only use them for certain for certain time and not to be heavy with them when you're using them on men because it can it it'll mess with male hormones and whatnot like that, and it'll change the the levels of testosterone in men, and and that's something that you know I, I guess is is not. It's not as readily studied, I guess. I suppose. I mean, 
I think I'm just salty because my body is constantly fluctuating with hormones. See, but I think that's the guy argument, right? Like, yeah. I'm not, I'm not supporting this because personally, I would love for it to be true. Like, for this to work, I go through some hoops. But I think that the, the the guy thought of it is well, women are gonna have mood swings anyway, right? So it's like you're either gonna have your time of the month or you're gonna have your pill time. Either way, yeah. like I can see some old dude yeah. just like arguing that it's like, but me, I don't have mood swings. It's like, yeah. uh, that's kind of bullshit because like the thing is, we all suffer a little bit for things we want. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I mean. When you take your heart pill and it says it may cause anal leakage, you take the accepted risk. If it means I have a mood swing every once in a while, but I don't have kids, that might be worth it to some guys. Might. 75% of the participants said that they thought that the birth control was worth the side effects. Hmm. So that's the majority of men. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It just just frustrates me. It does that. And I don't know everything. Uh, I also the article also stated that um, the side effects were skewed to some of the testing centers. So either the testing was done incorrectly, or there's something off with the drug. Um, but I also, uh, I mean, there's so much bias in biology. Oh yeah. And when you hear about how doctors dismiss female concerns, yep. Um, yep. I feel like there is some bias in this study as well. And again, it could just be me projecting, but I don't always trust every study I read about because it's it's human run and humans are. Well, biased. I mean, in the whole nature of science, I, I work in a science department, research, basic science department. I'm not a scientist, but the whole idea is that you or want a story. You want other people. You want other people to be able to reproduce your results. That's why you tell it. So it's not like one guy says, well, this is what I found out, and we take that as sacred word. Right. They should be reproducible results. That's yeah. the whole idea. And the fact that the testing centers got different results, that is a problem. I will test Yeah, that's, that's why. But what I'm saying is that's more fuel for study, not a reason to stop study. Right. Yeah. I mean – Hopefully, it it looks like they're going to continue, they're going to tweak it and retry it. Which is common, which is common. Even drugs do that. I mean, I have no problem. Most drugs go through two or three stages of trials before they get re... Right. So, so I hope it becomes true because, let's be honest, for guys, our options yeah. feel like, for most guys, I don't know how you feel, bro, but for me, I feel like I got a choice between condoms, mm-hmm. abstinence, or getting cut. Yeah, and so let's talk about the getting cut thing real quick, because I, you know, I actually have done a little bit. So I, I'll, I'll you share done a little, a little bit. bit of cutting. I mean, I'm, I'm surgical. I'm <laughs> surgical still, so that's obvious. But what I'm, what I'm really saying is, there are. Uh, I'm going to get personal slightly here for a moment. So I have oh, kids. No. We've gone. I have a friend who. I have a friend who who decided he wanted to possibly get you know the, the get snipped. And I said, oh, well, you know, in solidarity, I will join you in this effort because I, I'm at that point where I don't think I want any more kids either. Damn, yeah, that's friendship right uh, there. Yeah, yeah. Right? And you don't hold started, hands and do it. I time? mean, we, we were. Bro, we were gonna bro, go, for it, go for it. Shit. I love you, bro. Yeah, well, so then I started hearing. <laughs> eye contact. Hearing the, keep eye contact. Then I started hearing a little bit more. <laughs> keep eye contact. Yeah, yeah, yeah no you, joke, you can't man. do that. No, well, you know so, the rules. So then I read the, uh, then I, I kind of read up on what the procedure is, and the part of the way that the procedure is described is it's it's one of the it's it's semi permanent. In most cases, it is permanent. Uh, they say they an incision or a puncture to the sac, <laughs> burning a portion of the tube, cutting the tube, 
blocking the tube with clips or clamps. And none of that seems like anything I want. To, absolutely not. You're not into balloon animals? Yeah, yeah no. They, they numb you up real good. Yeah, they, can, oh. they can do all the well, numbing they want. But, but still, no. Absolutely not. Um, and, and it's not... It, with those three options, you know, one of them being that extreme, I can't imagine why, you know, well, I can certainly imagine, I can see why the, the, all, the options for guys are, are, why guys are saying absolutely not. But what I can't see is why we're not doing anything about it to try to bring other options to the table. And one of the articles I read stated that it's, bearing the, the burden is as simple as speaking to your partner discussing what birth control methods you're going to you're going to use and helping. So helping can be anything from driving your partner to the doctor's office, setting a timer on your phone to remind them to take the pill, going to the doctor to get a prescription, like even those easing, tiny things, easing the financial burden. Easing the financial burden. That's those I seem mean, like small things. I mean, wait, oh, so easing the financial burden and if if I may also tell a personal story, but when my husband and I uh, we're getting very serious. He, you know, and, and I, I was on birth control. He offered to pay for, help me pay for my birth control pills because it was a monthly fee. Mm-hmm. So he would pay one month. I would pay one yeah. month. He would pay one month. And that made me feel super great about. Cause you're both yeah, in it together. Exactly. And it's, it alleviates some of the stress. Go, go Matt. I, th- I think it's also, I think that's a good point because it's, not, it's about the planning together. Uh, I'm married and you know, like, I don't like the fact that my options are abstinence or the SNP. Like, uh, don't get me wrong. There's other methods, of course. But what I mean is those are the big two, right? The guys have. Yeah. But if I still want kids, then I got to cut twice and hope that it works both times. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's just not a good sell. Like, no. I wouldn't do that if they told me that was what it took to like, you wouldn't go to the dentist if they told you that there's going to take two operations and hopefully both of them work. Uh, yeah, no. Like, <laughs> and I'm going to have him touch my junk and go for it? No. Uh, <laughs> no. Your dentist is your junk? What? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, sometimes when the gas hits, but that's, I mean, for women though, I mean, I, I, one of the things I don't like, and this is a personal take is the IUD. I love the IUD. I, I don't like it because, A, it sounds like an alien implant that you're going to get. <laughs> and also, it sounds way too much like an IED. So, um, I don't like either well, I, one of those. I I refer to my IUD as the crock pot in my uterus because I set it and forget it. I, that could have been taken so many different ways than that. Wow. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I... The reason... Well... The reason why I personally chose and why a lot of people uh, choose the IUD is because it's long term and like it's 99.9% effective. And you can get hormonal or non-hormonal. Yes, there is a a non-hormonal form of the IUD. It's the copper IUD. And that just prevents against pregnancy. Uh, Well... All IUDs just prevent it against pregnancy, but because it's non-hormonal, it doesn't stop the menstrual cycle. So um, also, another thing that the IUD is good for is that uh, they're used in the trans community uh, frequently for for people who are transitioning to stop their menstrual cycles. Oh, I didn't didn't know that. Yeah. 
That's awesome. Yeah, because it's it's because um when you're transitioning, sometimes your menstrual cycle can trigger body dysmorphia. Yeah. So if you yeah, so getting a so getting your period could be detrimental to your mental health. Mental health. Mm-hmm. So some as part of the transition process, some people will choose the IUD. I mean, eventually, I'm assuming now. I I'm not trans. Mina is not either. Uh, and I don't have anybody I can ask, but I think when, I think testosterone. That makes sense. Will stop your cycle. Yeah. But if you're not on the, if you're not on the, um, the drugs yet, I think, you know, I think that's what most people choose is the, the IUD. That, that's, that's um, pretty cool. Cause sorry, hold on. I'm waiting for my voice to stop echoing. Um, I think it's pretty cool that you brought that up because it made me realize something now that I didn't realize while I was researching this or anything. Because you normally I'm focused on the history. Yeah. Is that while you're talking about being partners in the whole thing, I think that there's always like, I don't know about you guys and your sex ed, like in school and stuff, but we always had the moment where we got the sex talk and then it was boys and girls separate and we're going to go talk to you about this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But my question is this, like I'm 31 years old. Mm Mm-hmm. Why the fuck don't I know about female birth control? Like, shouldn't I know as much about what's going on with my wife as, as she does? No, it's true. Like, I think there's and, a failure there. Sorry, I just had this revelation. No, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, I'm sure there are are men of your age who don't even know what menstru- how menstruation Why do I feel works? like I suddenly turned, like, 55 men uh, of your you age? did, bro. Like, I'm going to get a little feature commercial or some okay, shit I'll, next. I can reword. Do you want me to reword no, it? Because I'm, okay. I'm, I'm this, I'm the, the, well, I'm not the same age. I'm 30, but. Um, <laughs> Our peers. I'm, I'm Our ignorant. Peers. I'm ignorant of these things, okay? I see the thing on people's arms, the trans patch or whatever, and I'm like, is that the mark of the beast? Yeah. I don't understand uh-huh. how any of this works. The the patch is actually I think the newest the 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 uh, the and it kind of works like a nicotine patch but yeah. it's got those it's got the estrogen and the progestin in it. Um, I'm not sure how I've not done too much research on the patch because it's super new. I, I would be worried um, that it would be like the scarlet letter though. But you don't have to see it though. I mean, it could be covered up. Well, I know, yeah, but sure. still, when you do see but it. Like it's a guy, it's a guy thing. Like if you saw a girl with that on, it sends a message. Is what I'm saying. So the message I get is first and foremost, is this a woman that I'm romantically involved with? You know, if it's a if it's a woman, well, if you're seeing the patch, I mean, I would I would assume that I don't have any issues with that. Okay, and if if you are, I'm just saying, some dudes know that she's making smart reproductive choices. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but I'm just saying. Some dudes like if you because if you're at the pool or whatever, it's not like you're gonna hide it under there. It is where it is uh, on your upper arm or shoulder or something yeah, under normal clothes. Maybe you should. But I'm just saying like that, that like some dudes are douchebags. Uh, true story. Well, and yeah. they find, and they see that. like they see like a bunch of condoms in your bag or they see your you know your pills out or whatever and they're like oh so well, they have that stigma and they're stupid. It's. It's funny that you mentioned that too, because I ran an informal survey uh, on Facebook through the Geek and Amazon's Facebook page, and I asked what was the biggest myth or what was a, a myth or urban legend about birth control that you used to believe, and a common answer was is that women who use birth control are sluts. 
Uh, yeah, people. Yeah, they're like, well, this is this is what they. Yeah, no, I yeah, know. and the I, fact I that they're hearing that. Yeah, yeah, like they like or or promiscuous, like only promiscuous girls use birth control. But only that, smart girls. Exactly. But that's kind of the myth that gets perpetuated. I think. Yeah. Like to dudes. Exactly. That's what where it comes from, though. I can I can absolutely see where that comes from because you know up until a certain point in time. The you, you you basically you dated the people you went to high school with. You married somebody in that circle because the advent of the car wasn't around at the time. So, uh, so the, well, I so, think it's a side effect of abstinence only. Like the right. way we're taught, like you and I were taught, was that you know you don't do. I mean, we had a little more liberal. So education. when you say it like that, people people find kind of well. Like, I mean, we had a little bit more liberal, so they went over this stuff. But I'm saying like I know people that were taught. That were just taught straight up, like you don't do it, and you know the only reason you would do that, like they were saying, yeah, is if you were gonna have sex, and if you were gonna have sex for those reasons, and not for you know in marriage or when you're supposed to, because apparently they have control over that. And the answer was, so if you're not, then you must be doing it wrong, something evil. That's why I called it a scarlet letter. Gotcha. You have to be doing something wrong, or else you wouldn't have birth control on you. Yeah, and that makes sense. I see. I see where you're coming from with that, and with that thought process sorry yeah especially if like you said you're in a tiny conservative community mm-hmm. it, it would be the scarlet letter that is very well bad. i mean it's not even tiny i mean it's just like there's a there's a whole region i would say not it's not just here because i don't even think here that would be a big deal no but i, I know when there's places where we go there's places where i've got family where yeah that's going to be the whole thing being a pregnant teen is more you're not going to be as marked even having a baby at 16 or 18 as you would be if you were a thirty-year-old woman with birth control. Yeah, I gotcha. I, yeah. yeah, okay, I see where you're coming. Which from. is terrifying, and it's twi- It's so twisted. It's yeah. like, I mean, uh, like you'd rather rather have a you know pregnant teenager than somebody who's being responsible and taking precautions. Yeah. And so it's it's kind of like you're damned if you do. You, you're damned if you right. Don't. Like either yeah. way, you're screwed. Like it's just society. Oh, wow. Society. Course, course. Well, no, but I mean, society is going to judge you, and it's like, well, you can either have a kid yeah. or you can be a whore, and it's like, I don't think that we always teach people, not just in this, but general. But since this is a subject, hmm. that there's it doesn't really matter. Like it's not up to them to make the decision. Right. You are what you are anyway. So. Yeah. The fact that society judges you one way or another mm-hmm. doesn't make it so. Uh, that's true, but I mean, peer pressure and you know, popularity and all that stuff. Well, is, is where that yeah, comes but from. that's not no, you not know, even. I'm just uh, saying society. No, I'm saying it comes from societal institutions. When we say when we teach people that if you have birth control, you must be a loose woman. If you have kids, you're doing it right. Then when a 16 year old gets pregnant, they're doing it right. And when a 30 year old takes an injection, they're doing it wrong. And that's not. Mm. There's no pressure in that. That's just the judgment. Yeah, I see. I see that. That's an and and that also harkens back to like when, with early birth control was like you couldn't get it unless you were married. Right, right. So that's another. That's another skewed message. Yeah. And now we're all the way up to like Plan B. Like we have a panic button. Well, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's accurate. I would say so. I've uh, never seen anyone yeah. buying it that wasn't either in a panic or hadn't been in one earlier. And was like, I better, better, you know, <laughs> yeah, just, just plan ahead. It's like buying a spare tire. Like some people are like, "Do you have a spare tire?" I don't know. Yeah. Then they look under their car and they're like, "I do not." Yeah. Shit, 
they get a spare tire the next time they have the cash for a spare tire. Right. There's people I know that's like, do you did you use birth control? I did not. I will be going to the store. I will be going to the store early this morning. Like, and that's a th- that's the thing you bring up. That's the thing. That's a good point. You, the the last the tail end of that conversation was. I will be going to the store in the morning. Why does it have to? Why do we live in a society where it has to be the morning? Because there's a stigma around it. You know, well, there's a stigma around going. I mean, well, because the there. store opens in the morning. If it was me, I'd be. I was just I'd be say, there at midnight, sir. Sir. I'm sorry, but, but the idea there is still the same. You're trying to go in the least populated hours. No, I'm store. trying to go as soon as possible. <laughs> <laughs> if it was me, I would be. I mean, I'm not. I've not done this, but I would be going as soon as possible if I made that choice. Yeah. I mean, luckily, if you you could walk into almost any drugstore anywhere in the yeah. U.S. and say, "I need Plan B," and they have to get. Yeah, it. you get a fidget spinner and a baby killing pill. Like, oh <laughs> man! Did you oh. wait? Wait, wait, back up. You get a you get a, a what? Fidget spinner <laughs> and a baby killing pill. Like that's okay. Now, okay, okay. I want to just want to just put this out there. Plan B does nothing to an already established pregnancy. So okay, a baby blocking hear- pill. I apologize. Okay, again, that thank- doesn't rhyme though. <laughs> um, baby blocking <laughs> pill. It blocks. It blocks. So, what would the ideal birth control be? Like an app? Uh, yes. Like uh, like Alexa? <laughs> baby's off. Yes. Um, uh, what would, what would ideal birth control be? Something, I mean, in my opinion, if it was something like an IUD, but minus, um, minus any side effects. Mm. I want, I want like a free, um, pupil ligation where I don't have to talk to anyone at the doctor's office. Okay. Ah, I, I would like I would like I would like biological evolution to let me be able to turn it on instead of turn it off. That's what I would like. <laughs> like I would ball. rather choose I would rather be able to choose to have a child instead of having to choose not to. I get that. That is ideal. Oh yeah. I mean I like I like the birth control that I'm currently using, so I kind of uh I I for me it's what I have is ideal. Yeah. So um, but there, but like with all hormonal birth controls, there are side effects. Mm-hmm. I could do without those, but you know, no menstruation, no babies. I'm, I'm great. That's the dream. And, and it's like, and it lasts for, I would like it to last more than five years. And there are some IUDs that are good for up to 10 years. Okay. Um, and some as little as three years. Heard that too. But if they could be. What, what? Longer. What about you? Is it the app? You want the app, bro? I mean, I kind of feel like the app would help me out. You know, I'm, I'm technology bound. My battery died. My battery died. <laughs> Hold on, let me turn it back on. Let me press it. Hold on. No, no. But so much just kind of asking just one more question. Have, have you ladies heard of uh, permanent birth control for, for women such as uh, Escher? No. So I, I did some... I mean, I think permanent birth control, I think a tubal like eight and, and that's one of... That is a, a form of... Uh, permanent uh birth control for for women but this one is you know i i didn't hear a lot about it the washington post did a study on it and it's 99 percent effective and it's also non they have a non-hormonal version of it as well but one of the side effects is perforation of the fallopian tubes or the uterus no no um you know no it's it's irreversible it's irreversible and pain is one of the long-term risks. 
Yeah, yeah. Oh, this but I, I have to kind of point out, ladies, that you know the I that's some of the same side effects as the IUD. True, true. Um, except there's no puncturing yeah. or yeah. Loss of pain. Yeah. or loss of pain. Oh. I mean, with the I mean every okay. Here's here's the thing also about any type of hormonal birth control is that every body is different. Everybody. I know people who. Sorry. <laughs> It's all right. Musical interlude. Um, I know people who had the IUD taken out within weeks of insertion because they didn't like it. And I know people and I know people who have gotten back to back IUDs because they love it so much. There are people who have to go through several different types of the pill. And then there are people who are like, nope, no harm, no nothing for me. I just, you know, I'm going to just carry condoms or carry a cervical cap. So the thing about birth control is finding what's right for you. And the best part about birth control is that aside from a tubal ligation, none of it is permanent. Um, so it's about, it's about, again, as, as they did in ancient times, it is trial and error. We are still doing yeah, it. Yeah. I mean, we're just but it's more, more like, fancy. Yeah. It's more of like an individualized, uh, approach. Hold on one second, guys. Um, I just, I just looked it up if you wanted to have more information about it. Um, Escher is a um, non-surgical birth control that is used almost like a, a barricade device that goes into uh, the fallopian tubes. Yeah, I'm looking at that now. Bilateral in- occlusion of the fallopian tubes. Well, bilateral because there's two. So, so it's another blockage method. So it's kind of, you know what it also reminds me of is a, a vasectomy. Because vasectomy, like you, you, they snip the vas deferens, right. which is two, and then the fallopian tubes are two. I mean, basically, but when it, when you're talking male and female anatomy, they're no, basically a mirror is, image of each other. This almost. is an implant. Nothing is cut. It's literally just like a block. Oh, it's a non-surgical block. Uh, uh, piece of how is it non-surgical? I think they make an it's incision. Insulated. I think they make an incision and then they place it in there that way, or or. Like the well, because like I'm thinking, like the IUD is inserted with kind of like a with um a speculum. Right. So is that? That's what I'm wondering. Like a cat, they might use like a catheter of some sort, like an angioplasty like device. That's all I can think of, possibly because it, but it's got to go. Mina, through this. Mina's like on the Mina's like fascinating. on. Fascinating. Oh, there's a video on the website. Wonderful. Yeah, and and uh, there's a. I also included a link in the show notes. Are you yeah. fucking kidding me? They like jab a coil into the horns like, of the bowl of your uterus. And see, this is the thing. This is the thing. Just to be clear, that's what guys oh, think of whenever someone's like, well, we're going to take a soldering onto your nuts. And we're like, are you sure you don't want to take a pill? Like, I'm not saying it justifies <laughs> it, but in our mind, we think the same thing. We're like, this is a medieval torture device <laughs> that somebody wants to put on my junk. Like, don't slip. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, That's you know, you know, you like. know when you take apart a clicky pen, yeah, sure, <laughs> and there's that long coil, a there's spring. like that long like metal coil. Mm-hmm. That's what this looks like. Yeah, they insert that in, and then scar tissue forms, and then the scar tissue obviously blocks access to the. That is. Oh my god! Isn't there an uh, increased, uh, there increased uh, risk of sepsis? Oh, really? It's I mean, well, it, it depends it, if it's surgical steel and stuff. I mean. Yeah, I mean, it's not steel; it's a soft, flexible insulation. Well, I mean, whatever it's made out of. Yeah, of course. Your body, 
your, your body can reject the idea. Yes, and in fact, in that article, in that article that I'm sure we're going to include in the show notes, the article from the Washington Post, and then also some stuff that we found online in regarding Escher. You know what? I have yeah, like Escher, there, it does now have a high failure rate. I, yeah, you know what? I've seen, now that I've seen the word Escher, I I thought it was a short. Is it like uh, MC Escher? Is that the thing? Like, you don't uh, know if it's up or down? Sideways. That's what I thought you were referring to at first. I was like, "What does he have to do oh, with this?" <laughs> um, no, you know what? Now that now that I see the word, I have heard of it, and I've heard I've heard mixed things about it. It's still really, really new. Yeah. From what I remember, this particular method is still really, really new. Like, they're still kind of tinkering. Yeah. With That's what it. you want to hear. You know I what? Mean, I'm yeah, don't sign me up for that. Well, I mean, can we put this inside you? We're still tinkering with it, but. Think we got it good enough? <laughs> the only way you can do that is if I'm on the list for people who's going to have uh, permanent medical care and and some restitution from the, restitution. from the side from the side effects. That's right, restitution. I mean, <laughs> wolf, this is a yeah. No, I'm out. Well, I'm out. I think yeah, I'm out. Nope. I think we're on to the fast <laughs> fact, Shalom. Because yeah. I'm done. You have any discussion points? Any questions you want to ask us, ladies and gentlemen? Hmm. I don't think so. Awesome. <laughs> that makes our job so much easier. It does indeed. Um, one of the things I want to talk about was the shape of the Valentine's Day heart. You know. Yeah. You know where that comes. I know exactly. Well, where then you're going go ahead and this. tell them what the seed pot is. It's this. It's Sophie. It's the. That's Sophia. right. That's where we oh. get it from. If you've ever wondered why we draw hearts the way we do, I because did not know that. it's also. It's it was also said because it um, it also resembled um, uh, a spread vulva. Yeah. I like. See, I yeah, but like I don't think it does. Yeah. It, I mean, I'm, I'm, I, wow! I almost said I'm spreading it in my mind right now, but that's not that's not accurate. <laughs> like that's 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 the worst. Um, You're sitting over here like Arby's. Oh, we got the meats. Like, oh is that man, roast beef or what? Uh, I don't understand, bro. Just uh, leave it alone. Yeah, let's just not. Nah. Uh, it's based on the plant. It's the seed pot. Yeah. That's what I'm going with. Yeah. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Queen's Anne Lace, Queen's Anne, Queen Anne's Lace was a popular plant that was used for birth control. And it's semi-effective. Hmm. It's still actually used today. So that's weird. Like, uh, we forget that there's parts of the world that aren't as developed as America. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and some places they still do rely on the old wives' tales. Hmm. Yeah, I mean there are there are herbal remedies that do uh, prevent pregnancy to some effect. I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but you know a lot of people still do still believe in herbal medicine. Yeah, yeah. no, no, it's true. If you're uh, going totally natural, you know, get you some Queen's Anne lace there, and uh, I guess take that. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, willow. Yeah. Uh, we, as we mentioned earlier, willow. Uh, milk yeah. of the poppy. Yeah. Milk, milk, milk of the, of the poppy. poppy. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's, some that's laudanum, a, Shalom. That's used for some other stuff, too. <laughs> uh, we talked about the IUD at pretty good length. Did you know that it was developed in the early 1900s? I didn't. Yeah, the first one was actually developed I didn't know that. like over 100 years ago. So it's pretty crazy to think about. Yeah. Because I consider Quick, yeah. Yeah, quick side story is I have a friend who works for the Museum of Finance in New York City, and she messaged me one day, 
and she said, I have to show you something. And she said, the museum is doing an exhibit on gold. And we just got in solid gold IUDs from the 1900s. And she sent me a picture and I flipped. They were so cool. They were huge, which was a little scary. <laughs> well. But, but they were, they used to be made out of solid gold. That is some Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 You could definitely, now you could say your pussy's 24 carat. <laughs> I mean, wow. So, some people act like that already, so I guess it's not surprising that it was once true. You know, they say every story has a kernel of truth in it, so now we know. Uh, <laughs> the sponge intern was actually started around 300 AD. Hmm. That's kind of crazy. Uh, I did manage to find one of the old wives' tales, which may have a little bit of truth into it. Uh, it comes from the 2nd right. century AD. And Serranus was a Greek guy who said that if women were to jump backwards seven times and drink the blacksmith's water after sex, that they could keep babies away. The only reason why there might be some truth to this one, though, is because the lead in the water that the blacksmiths would use when they cooled their tools probably gave them a small dose of lead poisoning that kept them from having babies. Huh. And that's and that's why and that's why women were clamoring to work industrial jobs during world war one because they believed the exposure to lead would prevent pregnancies it's directly correlated to drinking blacksmith's water yeah well, there you go that, that almost sounds like kind of a cool drink though blacksmith's water well you can try to make that one happen yeah. but i don't know yeah i don't know um <laughs> you know we talked about how america was pretty repressed into the 60s or 70s yeah which is just kind of funny because we always picture the bad guys at that time period to be the russians right Right. But in the USSR, birth control and sex education were pretty much without issue. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Really? So the Soviet Union was pretty open with it. Yeah, very forward thinking. On the flip side of that, in Ireland, I think, from what I understand, birth control was illegal in most forms until 1980. Yeah, <laughs> Yep. Ireland is still struggling with yeah, it. Yeah, they got, they oh, got, yeah. you know, we could go they're heavily, with that. They they're got heavily Catholic. Issues. I mean, they're a heavily Catholic nation, right? Well, depends on which part. With Ireland has a lot of problems. Starting with which part of Ireland are you talking? <laughs> the north or the south? They've got some. They've got some stuff to work on. So, so. I have an interesting fact. Did, did you guys know that the Olympic cities are? They, they there are a lot of condoms and vending machines that they have. Uh, like, they go yeah, through tons. a lot. A lot of them. Yeah. And I think it's lots of attractive. Yeah, it's because these folks are are so. Yeah, the folks are so like in in uh, engrossed in the workout, and once their events over, it's like, what do we do now? We've got these highly overtrained bodies, and we've got. I want to. And that's exactly it. Well, you have some of the fittest, most attractive people in the world all gathered together in one country. Yeah. They share an interest. Their whole lives have been poured into bobsledding or whatever. That's not all they're sharing. And then they're like, hey. I got some time to kill because I didn't qualify in the first round, so... <laughs> cool runnings? <laughs> uh, I mean, I'll take a hit at Apollo Ono any day. So. There you go. See, <laughs> see how that happens. Well, just like oh, that. Oh, man. Uh, well, I have a... I have oh, a go ahead. I'd love to hear it. Is that uh, Coca-Cola... Oh, yes. was, they thought that Coca-Cola... Uh, could kill sperm, uh, the carbonic acid and the sugar, 
And so what was the most logical thing to do? They would take a bottle of Coke. Shake it up, baby. Shake it up. Shake it up. Stick it up the vagina. And but you know why? The puzzled, the puzzled look on my face is either that is horrible or that's But, but here's the thing. <laughs> they didn't know about Mentos back then. That's why they had to do it that way. <laughs> Instead of the Diet Coke. But, but yeah, but like, it, I, I mean, I'm sure it felt pretty good. But I don't know. Like, a, that sounds pretty sticky to me. <laughs> exactly. Like, A, I don't know if it, A, it really probably didn't work. B, douching is already bad. And C, the sugar content I, I is will, probably not good for your vagina. I will bring, I will bring in some information on this because I know a little bit about it. But I wanted to mention something else. Because well, apparently awkward. I love bringing up infanticide. Uh, and it was considered a form of birth control. In most of history, it was allowed. Uh, being born alive, the born alive rule was made common law only in the 16th century in England. And the Infanticide Act didn't hit Sweden until 1778. Oh, wow. So that's how long we're talking that people are like, meh, maybe it's not real. <laughs> maybe it's just a figment of your imagination. Uh, now, you did talk about the methods, you know, we talked about some of the weirder methods. You talked about Coke. So it's not just crazy, old-timey, ancient people doing strange, strange things to their hoo-hahs. It's modern people, too, okay? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. In the 80s, there was a study from Harvard that said that Coke was a spermicide in a lab setting. Especially diet yeah. Coke. And yes, people tried it, and they did try it in the method take, you described. I have to take the take the paint off your car, remove a grease spot, kill. It will clean. There's clean chrome, rust off of chrome. That's true. A little yeah. bit of tin foil and some coke will do it. But I still drink it by the gallon. But, <laughs> but here's something you could probably guess: uh, the experiments results results have never been replicated. Yeah, so that. Uh, you can do it if you want for a fun time, I guess. It's, Apparently, maybe our guest will, but um, we're not we're not here to we're not here to kink shame. Some people are into free hey, play. It's I'm, fine. I'm not here for anything but the fact to point out that that study has not been replicated. That's all. <laughs> True. So uh, you can do it, but, hey. but it's not honey. Don't use honey. The teddy yep. bear is not for that. We're in a honey shortage. <laughs> There's a shortage of bees. Yep. Don't use honey. Don't use pomegranate. We didn't Don't talk about the honey pomegranate. Yeah, the pomegranate. Don't use lemon. Nah. Lemon pledge. Nah. None of it. Lemon pledge. Uh, <laughs> there are horrible, horrible things you can do to yourself Lysol. without that. Dude, that's that's so man. Awful. I mean, we can. I mean, we can pretty much just say like, as long as people have been having sex, people have been trying to figure out ways to not get pregnant. Yeah. So, people hate responsibilities and consequences. That's just generally a lot of fun. I, mm -hmm. I, mean, I guess I I just feel do it like based on the discovery channel. right. That's right. <laughs> I, I just I feel like shaming people is part of what causes this is the lack of you know the lack of understanding the lack of of um, communication about it and I think I'm guilty to some extent with that. Um, I, I'm of the mindset of my 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 girls. I have two girls. Better not be having sex until they're you know 45. Um, <laughs> and I probably will have that mindset forever. But I think more realistically, 
more realistically, you know, if they start dating, maybe have them more um, on the level of education, you know, have the knowledge. And I'm saying this open, with an open mind at the moment. Uh, my mind, my mindset would probably change. Uh, ho- hopefully not. Yeah, which is why I'm, I'm also a firm believer in, I believe in teaching sex ed uh, early because sex ed, I mean, in, in Scandinavian countries, I believe it's Norway. They start a unit on some semblance of sex education as early as kindergarten. And while they don't get into obviously birth control and the mechanics of sex, they start by talking about consent, Mm -hmm. which any healthy sexual relationship has to have a basis of consent. And I've mentioned this on Geek and Amazon, but um, I work with victims of domestic violence and sexual assault. And so we were very heavy on on preaching consent. But consent can be taught super early with, you know, if you don't want to be touched, say something. Yeah. Or if, if you don't if you don't want somebody to kiss you, say something. Like asserting your bodily autonomy mm-hmm. as early as you're able to be verbal, that's important. And I believe that that's part of sex education, and I'm in favor of teaching that as early as possible. Yeah. So I think the earlier um the earlier that we're instilling these values into kids of consent and what you know taking care of your body is is so detrimental to building towards a sex a healthy attitude towards sex and sexuality. Yeah, I think I agree with you to to where you know it, it could be detrimental to not do so, but I think that you know, finding the the balance in how to in how to communicate yeah. that is is uh, is essential. I, I think for me, the the one thing that I took away is my revelation. I'm sitting here still thinking that like the key to me right now mm-hmm. that I believe is we should not be splitting it up because I think that's when we start the dichotomy. Like yeah. the reason why it's the women's responsibility is because I don't know shit about it. That's the real answer. We yeah. talked about it being biological and stuff. Here's why I don't have a say in it. I have a say, but here's why I don't because. I don't know shit about it. Yeah. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about, bro. Well, like why, why you can't come at me and be like, so should it be the pill, the IUD or the other? I'm like one of those, because I don't know. I couldn't tell you what the difference is in them other than, well, the IUD is obviously an implanted device. The pill is something you take as a pill. Yeah. The patch is a patch. And then there's other things. You're not alone in that. One of the studies I found um, was conducted, uh, they conducted telephone surveys with 2002 adults. This was back in 1994. Um, And of the people they surveyed, 73% of the women said that men were not responsible enough to choose a birth control method. 70% of men said the same thing. And both sexes said that men were uninvolved because they don't care and because they considered birth control the female's responsibility. So you're not alone. Yeah, I mean, I mean, but that's, I think it all starts, like, when I think back. Why, why is it that way? Because I assume that that's what they go over with girls whenever they broke the class out and they were like, yeah. all right, ladies, go this exactly. way. I assume they taught y'all about birth control. I don't know what they taught you about. I didn't ask. Yeah. And we sat down and got to talk about, like, keep it in your pants and remember... So for the rest of your life, and you know, it was a, it was our coach, yeah, yeah. like our baseball coach, set his day on top. Oh, he man. wasn't a doctor or a nurse or any shit like that. Oh, wow. 
I mean, I was getting it. We were getting it from the health teacher. They're not exactly medical professionals. Our baseball coach was the health teacher. (laughs) Yeah. So. Wow. Well, there you go. And that's, that's, yeah, I think that's, that's common. I think Desmond, you have a really good point is maybe when we start to have the conversation as a group and we actually, we filter the, instead of filtering the conversation based on, 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 you know, sex or rather gender in this regard, um, you can, you can have a more concrete, more finite discussion. Right. Because they were talking about how helpful it was like to be just supportive of it. Yeah. But the thing is, I don't know enough shit about it to be supportive. So I I actually made myself get more involved. And and I won't go too much into the details because I I might be attacked if I did. But there are, for for personal reasons, I wanted to know more about, about, you know, uh, birth control and all the requirements and the side effects. You know, not because I have to take any of these pills. I mean, I I don't. I mean, mean, realistically, I, I have... No real uh, responsibility other than to be part of the solution. But see, life. but that's what I'm saying. But, but like, just the way you said it right there, right? Why are we teaching it that way? That's what I'm wondering right now. Like, I'm leaving with so many questions. I'm sorry. Yeah. We're keeping our guests. But, like, I'm leaving with that question. Like, why do I think that? Like, I usually leave Good episodes question. thinking, like, why why were things like that? But right now I'm thinking, why are things like they are? Which is yeah. a little bit different. I mean, the history stuff is cool. But I'm laughing because... I really think I was like the old honeypot trick. That was the joke I had in my head. Yeah, because it's a honeypot trick, and then you think about they were using honey. But it's true. true. Now I'm like, wait a minute. Am I one of those people that the next generation of non historians is going to laugh at? Shit. Well, I mean, look, the internet is there. Yeah, and no, it's a no, wonderful I know, but it's, it's, it's just like this is what our show is built on. Is like there's so many things that we are ignorant about historically that we were like we sure. we should we should go find out and take people along. And now I'm like, oh shit, I'm ignorant of a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, I mean, like I said, I, when I took that informal survey of like what is what are some myths and urban legends that you used to believe, I I said to some you know people who were answering and i was like look the point of this is that you used to believe it mm-hmm. and you now know better yeah yeah and i'm gonna shamelessly plug us if you'd like to learn more yes it was our it was episode 14 I, I like to think of it as an episode that you would you would um have your Teenage kid listen to. Yeah. And it's just like a rundown of every form of birth control. Yeah. How it's used and how it works. Because you're right, not enough people know, and especially not enough boys know, because it's expected that it's not their responsibility, and it's this, like, never-ending cycle of no dude teaches it to his son, and he doesn't teach it to his son, and it's not going to change, and we need Mm. to change that. Absolutely. I can, I can appreciate that. So I think yeah. that what I hear you saying is the same thing that I say often to any kind of discussion point that, that we have where there are differences of opinion and where there's just a lack of understanding. Conversation and communication can solve problems. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Yep. You just got to – the hard part is starting the conversation, you know. Yeah. I think I think a lot of parents especially – now, I'm not a parent – but uh, I think the hard part is 
starting that conversation about birth control with your kid. Yeah. Um, with I, any kid. My mom uh, does HIV testing and she had a, a friend come up to her and outright admit, look, I have an older son and I have no idea how to talk to him. And my mom was like, tell him to be careful and here are some condoms. She used to hand out condoms. <laughs> yeah, my mom used to hand out condoms to all the kids on in my neighborhood. Um, but she like gave her a bag of condoms and was like, I love your Get mom. on this and... Tell them to be safe. It's it's that simple. It's yeah. It's, it's take care of yourself. Be safe. Be respectful. Yeah, and again, and again, just talking about birth control is not going to want to make your kid immediately want to go out and yeah. have sex because they already do. Cause, <laughs> yeah, because they already sex. do. But give them the tools to do it yeah, safely. Exactly. Because you know. The world is really overpopulated. We need to slow some things down. You know, you know I know how, how I you feel, feel about it. Yeah. So, so, you have lots me. of thoughts. So now, <laughs> if people want to find you guys, you have a you have Facebook, you have a Twitter. Yes, yes. You can find us on Facebook at Geek and Amazons Podcast. We're on Twitter at Geek and Amazons, and we're also on Instagram at Geek and Amazons. And is it okay go, if we go, plug go, our absolutely. Patreon? Yeah, you can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash geekendlegion. Geekendlegion is what connects us to our brother podcast, Geek and Now, Warriors. this is all geek and I just want and to be clear, the spelling, because I don't want people to misunderstand geek in and geek end. Geek end. Yeah, like it's weekend. E-N-D, not I-N. Yeah. Yeah, it's like it's like the word weekend, but with a G, because yeah. we're nerds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure are. And uh, we talk about everything from stuff we're watching on Netflix to stuff about uh, the patriarchy that makes us angry. Yeah, and, and birth control. <laughs> birth control. Um, mm-hmm. We've done episodes on everything from Catherine uh, Johnson, Catherine Johnson, to the history of Wonder Woman to uh, teen dating violence. Yeah, so. We try to we try to vary our topics, and we try to, like I said at the top of the episode, we try to educate as well as entertain. Always a plus. And I'm lucky I do it with my best friend Mina. Oh, right back at you! Yay! That's All right. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for coming on, ladies. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Yes, thank you. I'm glad this finally yeah. came to fruition. I feel like we were talking we about were. it for months. <laughs> <laughs> we were. We were. <laughs> I think you reached out to us in like March, probably somewhere around there. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad we did this. This yeah, was absolutely. so much fun. Was I, I think fun. we need to do something like this again um, soon for sure. I yeah, like yeah. A good time. yeah. So you guys could have us on your show for okay. something. I'm sure. Yeah, we'll find we'll find something that we can bring you guys on. Yes. We have like a laundry list of topics mm-hmm. that we want to cover. We'll pick something. History yeah. of fart jokes. Yeah, we're, we're really hot. On Let's it. get together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Do the history of fart Yeah, that's what he, that's what Desmond said. I. I just, I just, I, I didn't know what to say. Shalom wants to make it very clear. <laughs> that <it was> Des- <laughs> Desmond's a funny one. I don't make jokes. The jokes I do make are, are me reading his notes. <laughs> Sometimes they are, yeah. Uh, now, hold on. Now, I do have some humor on occasion, like, like, like this. Okay, so I am not, I'm not the driest person in the world. Okay, that just sounds really bad. Uh, but, but I have, 
Like, sometimes when I sit down to write something historical, I, I take all the humor out of it. Like, I'll, t- I'll tell a story from beginning to end, and you're like, wow, I just went to You class. know, this infanticide could really use a little less blueness to it, man. <laughs> so, so I think that's where it's great to have Desmond to come in and, and remind me that, hey, uh, Shalom, you need to have some humor on this, because otherwise, <laughs> this, is, this is very depressing. That's kind of like us, like Mina, Mina can like bring in a lot of like, like <laughs> dark facts and I'm like, and then I just make a stupid joke. Yeah. But the I, irony is that I'm the goofiest you human are being alive. In, the, in like, in like real life, she's the, like, <laughs> I'm the straight man and she, <laughs> and she's the goof. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, I love you. I love you too. <laughs> Oh man, We're done. are we done? We're done. Or we just kind of wander off. That's how that's how we do it in real life. That's how we do it here. So wait, so our, our sorry, Matt was talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, no. We, we that's what, what I'm saying. We we, we kind of do this like we do in real life. We just wander off when we're done talking. We're just like, all right, so, uh, have a good one then. <laughs>